3: What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. Welcome in to the Lombardi line presented as always by BetMGM. Stormy Tony with you today, as always, alongside Jonathan Von Tobel in for Mr. Michael Lombardi today. Lombardi will be back this weekend. We'll also have Will Hill, VEASAN contributor, join us a little bit later in about 30 minutes here. Get some MLB plays from him. Our guy Mike Sawmich in his usual Thursday spot as well in hour two. He's got some baseball and World Cup plays today, but it's been it's been a minute, my friend. Good to see you.
4: Uh, Yeah, I've been kind of busy, right? What what do we have? We had Summer League. I filled in for Gil for about two weeks. So, yeah, it's been kind of busy. But, hey, man, this is is the time of year where everything starts to really pick up. What, a week away from the Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. game. Trade deadline's coming up in Major League Baseball. College football's a month away. So, very exciting.
3: Yes, and as of today, officially all 32 NFL teams underway in training camp. So, the offseason is officially over. We are off and running and getting things going. And I was particularly excited that you were my co-host today with the news that had come down in Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani's not getting dealt at the trade deadline. Do your happy dance.
4: Well, look, there's no need to do a happy dance on something that I've been telling everybody in the network that I possibly can. Uh, (laughs) He was never going anywhere. It didn't make any sense. And and this is a team that at the very least, before the news came out, Stormy, I think everybody would agree. The Angels wanted to re-sign Shohei Otani, right? I think everybody would agree with that. You do not trade a guy that you want to re-sign. Thus, he was never going anywhere. Uh, I will say, I'll pull this card. It was a media-driven narrative on Sunday (laughs) Night Baseball. They're asking Phil Nevin in the dugout about trading Shohei Ohtani in the middle of a game against Houston Astros. Uh, He wasn't going anywhere. And the thing I will dance about as well, I brought this up with Kelly multiple times when I was filming in on a numbers game the last couple of weeks. Why don't you be buyers? Screw Mm -hmm. selling. You have a team that is beleaguered by injury, but is still very good. A top 10 lineup and weighted runs created plus. Your issue has been your pitching. Once you start to get healthy, your offense is going to be even better. Why not buy and show him? Look, man, we're in. We want you. We want to have a winning product here. We want to be, we want to be a very good team that you trust that will take steps forward in your time here. And sure enough, they do yeah. that by going and getting Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. So uh, I think this is this is awesome for the Angels. Absolutely awesome.
3: Yeah, I think that's the thing too, right? Like, actions speak louder than words. It's not just that we're going to keep you, but no, we're going to go out there right away. First thing, Lucas Giolito, somebody who's been like a hot name available here mm-hmm. at the trade deadline. They get him. I also saw John Morosi adding that they might be considering a trade with the Nationals as well. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. but. um, but putting their money where their mouth is in this spot. And the angels haven't played well as of late one, seven of their last nine, still seven games back in the division, four games out of a wild card spot. So a lot of work left to be done to make the playoffs, let alone make a run, but showing that they're putting that investment in there. And I know we were talking before we got on air, the upcoming schedule looks a little bit challenging on paper, but maybe catching the Braves at a good time coming up this week.
4: Absolutely. And look, like this is they're doing what they were supposed to do with this portion of the schedule, right? They, they, they let one get away two Sunday nights ago against Houston Astros. That was tough. But then you bounce back. You sweep the New York Yankees. You come out. You win a series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. You have a doubleheader here against the Tigers. You almost blew one the other day, but you still got it. If you could take this doubleheader and you can win now, if that happens, you're nine out of your last ten games, you're floating around three and a half to maybe three games back from the wild card, depending on what happens later today, like this is an opportunity for you. Like you said, look. The Toronto Blue Jays—they're five and five in their last ten games, so it's not like they're playing incredible baseball. You said about it, the Braves, right? You go to the Atlanta—they're not playing their best baseball. I think they've lost three. out You should be there. What three and seven in the last ten, something like that. So it's a really good opportunity for this team. And there's something to be said of maybe getting a little spark of, oh, hey, like our front office is buying in. Like we're getting guys. We have Lucas Giolito now. We have Lopez. Uh, hey, America, Candelario is the other name, the third baseman for the Washington Nationals that they were sniffing around and maybe going to happen. And I think that also speaks to the fact that Anthony Rendon, like think they're kind of done. Like, hey, man, like it's clearly something's going on here. You're not going to be ready. Let's go fill the hole at third base. So overall, I like, I like the approach and I'll liken it to another one of my teams uh, that I am a fan of, the Los Angeles Clippers, right? A lot of people, when they were talking about the, we keep talking about the Paul George trade and everybody's like, that was a terrible trade. No, it wasn't. You want to know Why? Because it, it got them Kawhi Leonard. That's what that was. It wasn't trading for Paul George. It was trading for Paul George and guaranteeing that Kawhi Leonard would come with him. This is kind of the same thing. It's not guaranteed, but what you're doing here is saying, if we invest in Lucas Gilito, if we invest in Lopez and others to come in here and sacrifice the very thin depth we have in our farm system, maybe it increases the probability of us getting to the playoffs, thus increasing the, improbability, the probability of... Of re-signing Shohei Otani. And I, I think that's what this is all about at the end of it. It's going out and re-signing the guy who is the best player in baseball. And I think their
3: odds are going up in that. Yeah, and hopefully that does work out. I know obviously yeah. you as a fan want that to happen, but we've talked about it a few times on this program a place where he feels comfortable, a ballpark he likes, warm weather, a big Japanese community out there. So a lot of things play to the Angels' favor for that to work out, but that's also why the Dodgers are yes. another front runner to land him. Yes.
4: And well, and that's that's be very clear. I do think the Dodgers are still the favorite. Right? Right. Everything you're talking about, you're literally the pitch is like, dude, don't go anywhere. Don't move. Don't do anything. Just come to a different facility and win more baseball games. Right. Like that's (laughs) that's literally what it is. And I think that's this is the most important part about everything going on with Otani. Right. We always everybody like the collective in sports, we get wrapped up in like winning and championships and all that kind of stuff. Shohei Otani is going to get his money wherever he decides to go, whether it's San Francisco, whether it's Texas, whether it's Cleveland, whatever. These teams are, if he decides, those teams are going to pay him the money that he deserves. So then it's about, okay, what takes precedent? It could be winning, but it could be lifestyle for a guy who moved from freaking Japan, mm-hmm. right, to the United States who had to deal with a really strong language barrier. First, all of those things. You want to live where you're comfortable. And so, like you're saying, like, that's why, you know, people keep throwing the Mets in the conversation because they have the money. Okay, sure, but do they have the lifestyle they want? Probably not. Okay, then I don't think, like, a team like the Mets is a real candidate to sign him in free agency. I think that's why these West Coast teams, the Dodgers, or whatever you want to put them, Dodgers, Angels, Mariners, Giants, they're all going to be in the running for him because he gets to stay along the West Coast, a place he's comfortable, just a little bit closer to home. He's going to get the money, and I think eventually he's going to stay in this area of the country, where it is. I hope it's in an Angels uniform. He's been awesome there. He's the best player. It's fun to watch him. But I think the Dodgers are favored for a reason to land him.
3: And the uh, AL MVP odds went from around minus eight hundred to minus sixteen hundred, so that doubled with the news that he's going to be staying there in Anaheim. Seven to one, the Angels are to make the playoffs By the way, this really year. Really
0: quickly,
4: remember last week or actually it was early this week, late last week, DraftKings hung a market. They opened up Shohei Otani to stay after the trade deadline or first pitch, whatever how it was labeled, minus 170. And it was one of the things that Kelly and I were talking like, that should be like 350 or higher. He's not going anywhere. And sure enough, we get the news yesterday that not only is he staying, but they're buying. And yep, so if you got in on it, I'm sure it's off the board. But if you got in on it, good for you, because that was a really cheap price on what every indication was that he was going to stay.
3: All right, let's go to another superstar, but in the NFL where, I mean, as if Aaron Rodgers and the Jets hadn't already gone full honeymoon, like, let's just double down on that. Rodgers was set to count $107 million against the cap next year for the Jets. He reworked his deal, two years, $75 million guaranteed, which means he's taking a $35 million voluntary pay cut from what had been his current salary, so a, a discount double check for his new BFFs over there.
4: Oh, you work on that? That was a good one. <laughs> I did, one. I wrote it down. Uh, no, look, I think it, this is, it's obviously, you know, it's pretty selfless. Now, you make a lot of money, and you t- talk about discount double checks, I'm sure that's probably why you're willing to sacrifice yeah. this much money, because you got a lot of different stuff in terms of um, outlets in which you're getting some uh, money back. But I I think what's more important here is like some of the quotes you see with this and this action, you know, he even had the quote, "Well, the team gave up significant pieces for it Mm -hmm. to just be a one-year deal. I'm aware that anything can happen to my body, uh, but I'm having a blast. I don't really seeing this as a one-year and done thing. And I think that's the most important part. You know, the actions and the words are kind of stating here that this isn't just a one-year thing and that he's actually at least Mm -hmm. going to play there for two seasons. And that's a good thing for the Jets, who obviously sacrificed quite a few assets to go and get him. And for once, maybe Aaron Rodgers actually just speaking outright and just being like, you know, stop dancing around and yeah. Just say, hey, I'm going to be here. These actions will say that. I want to set us up for next season if we're going to buy something, whatever it's going to be. So I would say that this is a really big bonus. Or yeah, a really big bonus yeah. for the New York Jets that he's actually doing
3: this. Yeah, and I think that's another just way of showing the commitment that he has, which it seems like he's just found new life and he's sure. glowing right now. I don't know how long this stage of happy-go-lucky is ah, going game, to last. one game, But It'll yeah, I mean, Monday Night though. Football taking on the Bills. We'll see. But... I mean, it re-signals to me also, like not only that he wants to keep improving the people around him, but the, like just shows how much he wanted out of Green Bay at this point for you to be willing to take this cut. He put those fans, that team through the ringer. Get, sure. You get rid of Devontae Adams because you want to pay him. And then you come out here, and you're like, oh yeah, just you know, keep bringing guys around me, everything for the team. And I think a big portion of that, I'm sure it has to do with legacy and yada, yada, yeah. yada. But, okay, so now with some cap space freed up, though, the initial thought that comes into everybody's minds is, okay, well, now can you go out and get Dalvin Cook? And he evidently has yep. a, uh, a workout coming up this weekend with the Jets.
4: Yes, I think what he's in New York, is I read a report, was he on, like, good morning football either today or tomorrow, and then he's going to go and, and work out with the Jets, whatever order that's going to be. So I would say, yeah, like it makes sense, right? Whatever you got to do money-wise to fix some fix some things up and go and get a guy who could probably have some more left in the tank and just add to an offense that looks like it could be pretty good. Uh, With Aaron Rodgers. And this is what you want to do with these sort of teams. You know? Like, look at what Tampa Bay and and, um, the Buccaneers did with Tom Brady. Like, this is just what you want. You have a tight window now. You have a guy who's at the peak of his powers. A roster you think is ready to compete. Let's maximize everything possible and go for this. Because windows are really, really tight. And you don't know when they're going to close. And we don't even know how big this one is. But at this point right now, you're doing everything to keep it open.
3: Win total sitting nine and a half. One thing I've been saying, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, is... Maybe if the Jets do get off to a little bit of a rocky start, they have a really tough schedule to start Bills on Monday Night Football at Dallas, New England, Kansas City, at Denver, then Philly, all before the bye week, that maybe you can catch a live total early on in the season if that number ticks down a bit, knowing how tough that early stretch could be.
4: Sure. No, I would I mean I would agree with that. I think that's what you're looking for here. And I look, because you know they're gonna
3: win week one and I'm gonna be like, ah, okay, there goes that. They could
4: win week one, then lose the next four. True. Right? I mean, because I would even, I would very much argue to your point, the soft spots in that early portion of the schedule, Patriots and Broncos, I think those are two teams that could be greatly improved this season. Mm-hmm. So those are games in which are, I think are a little bit more difficult than what you would think on paper. And then you just come out of it with a giant team that everybody likes and Brian Dable's incredible. And then you're at home against the Chargers, <laughs> who I think are actually really on the upswing. No, the, the schedule's brutal for them. And it's because of the division they play. I, I wouldn't say no to something like that. The, the problem is just. When do you want to take that leap? Like, when do you want to buy in? Is it going to be week three before you take on the Patriots? Is it going to be week five before you go to the Broncos? That's always a difficult part of that strategy for me is you just don't know when you want to do it.
3: Current win total sitting nine and a half, juice minus 130 to the over. Coming off a seven-win season a year ago, trying to make the playoffs for the first time in over a decade. Also, a quick note out of training camp, it looks like... Garrett Wilson, their young wide receiver, left practice with an apparent ankle injury. I saw the video. It didn't look particularly bad. He jogged off the field with his own, in his own volition. So we'll find out if we're able to get any additional information when the press conferences come out a little bit later. Speaking of those press conferences, we got a ton of sound bites coming out of training camps coming up next. Sound off as we react to some of the thoughts coming out of camp.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. <laughs>
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the
4: sports betting network.
3: It's time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and more. You can download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID. Open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We are rolling along here on the Lombardi line and uh, NFL. Training camps are all underway, all 32 teams present and accounting for. And we just got some unfortunate breaking news when it comes to the Miami Dolphins, who newly added cornerback Jalen Ramsey this offseason, carted back into the locker room after a practice injury, attending his left knee. And that's your biggest fear when it comes to something like that. It's whenever it's the cart that comes out. And I know we got good news with the lions this week with CJ Gardner, Johnson yep. and his MRI coming back clean, but that is not the norm in these situations.
4: No, of course not. So you hope that's going to be um, something maybe that just in the moment felt pretty poor. And then of course you can bounce back from it, but it's obviously a really big deal. Not only because he's a new addition, but you evaluate the cornerback position for the Miami dolphins. And you know, if again, I, I know this is the Lombardi line, so but I'm going to say it. It's only one. It's only one spots metrics. But if you're going by PFF (laughs) coverage grades, uh, by far the best cornerback on the roster right now, Jalen Ramsey, and that's not really great when the second-best guy, at least from a grading standpoint, on the roster was a 68.6 in coverage last season. So You want that to be okay because the Dolphins seem like a team that if if health is going to be good for them, they can be very, very good, and specifically with Tua, and you never just want to see one of the better players in the NFL get hurt. So hopefully that comes back with some positive news, but if that's going to be the case, that will be a pretty big
3: blow. Yeah, absolutely. We know what a dynamic player that he can be when healthy. I guess he was defending a pass from Tyreek Hill. Not sure all the information yet. If we do find out more while we're on the show, we'll certainly relay that, but that's a team, too, in a very tough division. We were just talking about the Jets and all that they're trying to do there with Aaron Rodgers now, the new quarterback under center and the bills at the top of that division, the Patriots. I know that they're considered the longest shot, but they actually have an offensive coordinator this year. Very exciting. So you anticipate they take some step forwards as well. So
4: I mean, I'm high on new England as you can as high as you can be on a team that's rated as they are. Uh, You know, I think that they are a week to week team in that like ATS wise storm. I think they're going to be very live. I think that the odds of them making the playoffs are higher than what their price would indicate. Uh, I think they're going to be one of the better defenses in the NFL. And if Mac Jones reverts back to, you know, his first year rookie year, Mac Jones, well, then all of a sudden you're looking at a team. Remember his rookie year went 10 and seven got into the postseason and actually was one of the better cover teams that season as well. So I think there's a lot to be positive about for a new England Patriots team as we're kind of going along that vein and kind of speaking to the division as a whole. Like, I think it's a really difficult division and you're going to need as much positive health as you can.
3: For sure. And Producer Elliott's going to be mad at me. I'm going to go out of order here. But since we are talking about the Patriots, let's pull up that that Mac Jones soundbite here. We um, are going to do a little segment here called Sound Off, breaking down some of the the soundbites that have come out a number of these training camps. Players reacting and reflecting to their situations last year, where they're at this season. But let's go to Mac Jones here because he says that after the way that things went down last year, he's embracing a fresh start with his head coach, Bill Belichick.
2: No, I think we're good. I think the biggest thing that we, we've we all talked about is just having a fresh start. Um, I think there's a lot of learning experiences uh, from last year that we've talked about. And uh, this year, it's all about just working together, right? You got to come up with a plan and then obviously talk about it and then execute it. So I'm excited for that part of it. Uh, really just tr- for me, just trying to be really consistent, uh, try not to you know ride the wave and just stay my course. Uh, and hopefully everybody on our offense feels that too.
3: And he also said earlier this offseason he's trying to re-earn the respect of his teammates and of the room, and it feels like that's a good step forward mindset to have this year.
4: I look, I think so, man. And I, that's why, you know, I always find it so fascinating, like, the the overall thoughts on certain things. Like, for example, it, it's we have two things, right? We have his rookie year in which he was an above-average quarterback that led a team to 10 wins in the playoffs, and he had an adequate offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels, right? Then you get last year where the offensive staff a complete mess. The play calling is an absolute mess. He has a worse year. But for some reason, we, the collective, think that, no, no, no. The second year is the real year. He stinks. And it's like, well, why? Right? He was in a much better situation his rookie year, and he was much better. So it would follow that maybe if he's in a much more adequate offense this year, that he could be much better. And I always go back. I keep going back to it, Stormy. Top five in DVOA defense, or excuse me, DVOA, uh, excuse me, in, in uh, EPA per play defensively a season ago, the New England Patriots. And if they're going to replicate a very good def- defense once again, and you get an offense that's at the very least mm. average, they're going to be much better. And by the way, the other part too is, I mean, the Patriots last year, did they win like four games? Five? No, like no. they were, right? Like yeah, they were exactly. actually, right. So, like, I, I think that we're kind of sleeping on just how effective this team can be. Am I thinking they're going to win 11, 12 games? No. But do I think they're going to be right in the thick of things for a wild card spot and much better on a week-to-week basis? I think absolutely, and it starts with him and a much more you know, adequate offense.
3: Yeah, and that is that is one of the season win totals that I like this year. Um, seven and a half, they had eight wins last year, to your point, and they weren't as good as what we think that they could be this season. Now, we know that there were some sideline drama and antics when it came to Mac Jones last year similarly Stefan Diggs and that's been a big topic of conversation this offseason uh he spoke to media for the first time since that mandatory mini camp i'm very concerned stuff that came mm-hmm. out with Sean McDermott but the media made up right that yeah it's a uh, blew out of proportion yeah. blew up too much um he said the issues are water under the bridge he's on the same page with his head coach and quarterback Josh Allen but Diggs did still address his frustrations take a listen
2: regarding last year obviously the way we lost was was just terrible in any regard you know and you don't want to lose any game but we've lost for a couple of years at this point and we've been trying to get over the hump and obviously it caused for a lot of frustration but uh all in all like as far as with that i was here but we, he did have a conversation me and him did have a conversation it's all water under the bridge now but i could i attribute it to like i mean family matters you know what i'm saying like I don't like dancing around things. I don't, like, I don't like those kind of questions. Black and white is, everybody has family matters. We had a conversation. Everything is all is well. Uh, water on the bridge. Now we back at work.
3: He also said forcing his way out of anywhere was not his goal. He was asked if he wanted to retire a bill still, which was comment that he had made previously. He answered back 100%. So are you a believer that all, all is well in Bill's country now?
4: I mean, not really. But I also think some of it has to do with this team, I think, is kind of on the precipice of being one of the more overvalued teams in the NFL coming into this year. I think there's some real flaws uh, with it overall, and I think there's some things emerging with how teams have played Josh Allen down the stretch from a season ago that maybe are going to start to pop up again as we get into this year. Uh, But look, like, I just – I do wonder what the problem is. I think you and I talked about this, like, on the day that this Mm -hmm. happened, which is, you know, if you go over it, he's by far their best receiver. He's going to be their number one target you know, you go through some of his game logs from week 12 onward through about week 16. Stephon Diggs didn't play very well. He he only surpassed 70 yards twice uh, over that stretch and uh, was very much underneath a lot of receiving props, right? We're, we're talking about 48 yards, 77, 92, but then 37, 60 and 26. Um, wasn't really getting targeted as much in certain games. Uh, the bears game, for example, only got targeted twice. So maybe it's something like that, but I think the, the, the bills overall just have to be a little bit more concerned with how teams are going to, uh, you know, face them down the stretch. Cause you saw it a little bit more last year. Teams were more content, like, all right, let's just keep Allen in the pocket. Don't let him roll right. Don't send a lot of blitzers, because he's been awesome at it, in terms of attacking the blitz. And let's just drop everybody in coverage and see what's going to happen. And I think that affects guys like Stephon Diggs, so maybe they're working those things out.
3: Yeah, plus 120 favorite in that tough division, among the favorites to win a Super Bowl. They, Speaking of getting over the hump, uh, Bills have not made the Super Bowl since 1993, so they're hoping to get back to that position Obviously, they have a star quarterback in Josh Allen. Another star quarterback got a contract extension this week. Justin Herbert cashing in. So now all eyes turn the focus on to Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. He was asked at training camp yesterday why he elected to show up at camp from day one instead of hold out until his new deal was locked up.
4: You know, personally, I feel... In, in my position, I don't want to waste any of these days that I have to to get better. I've I've wasted enough days the last two years with you know injuries and appendicitis and COVID the year before that. You know I don't I don't want to get out of camp wishing that I had you know seven more days that I could have got better. And so I'm that's the reason I'm here. You know maybe business comes first at some point, but. I, I need these days to to be my best.
3: He also added, when it comes to his contract, he's focused on getting a deal done that's good for him, good for us, and good for the team. I mean, if you're a Bengals fan or backer, you have to love what you just heard.
4: Well, oh, I think so. And actually, it's a pretty interesting point. So when I saw this, I, was, I went over and looked. You know, so if last year and the year before, you know, when he talks about those slow starts, the first two games of each season, so four games total, Seven touchdowns at seven interceptions, PFF passing grades of uh, underneath 70. Like, you kind of saw it like, hey, he did get off the slow starts, and maybe that has something to do with it. So now, if you're coming out, and especially remember, if brothers don't remember, uh, that opener against Pittsburgh where he threw four interceptions uh, in that uh, opening game, and all of them were on him, I think that's actually, it's not something I thought of until I saw the quote in the rundown and went back and looked like he has gotten off the slow starts, and this team has gotten off the slow starts. Last year, he did too, mm-hmm. like record-wise, before they started really to pick it up. So... Maybe this means that this team's going to be firing on all cylinders right out of the gate, and they're going to be a candidate to go over the win total. Don't know if that's really the case, but it's at least a very valid point that he has gotten off the slow starts as of the Bengals each of the last two years.
3: I was very glad that they lost that game because I was somebody who had a, had a yeah. Steelers alt season win total over, and your girl needed it something fierce. So okay, it came in the clutch. I don't know if you're
4: going to get it this year.
3: I. Okay, I think that they'll still be 500.
4: Oh, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season?
3: Never. Ha- R- rumor has it. I've hmm. heard that a, a never time heard or it two. That. How many? 16? Is a year 17? Yeah, something like that.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network.
3: The NFL betting guide is out now in our college football guide drops next week. You'll get previews and predictions for every D1 team and conference best bets on futures and season win totals, plus an in-depth breakdown of how you can use our betting splits and power rankings to make you a more informed better this season. Sign up. Before the end of July, you'll get both guides and full VCIN Pro access all the way through the Super Bowl. That's at our early bird discount of $175, or you can do the monthly subscription where you get your first 30 days, just $19. See everything VCN has to up your betting game. Remember this offer does end July 31st, just a couple days away. Don't miss it. Go to vCin.com slash subscribe. To take advantage, Stormy Bonantoni and Jonathan Von Tobel with you here on a Thursday edition of the Lombardi Line live from Circa Resort and Casino. Excited to welcome into the show our great friend Will Hill, Vicent contributor and betting analyst at Not The Will Hill on Twitter. And uh, I know based on your first wager that I see here, you are very excited as our guy JVT is that Shohei Otani will remain with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Told you, How are doing? I told you, buddy. I told you. Yes,
5: you were right. But I I do think that, hey, they were never going to trade him. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that we could ever prove that because they've played pretty well here the last 10 days. And if they were, I mean, it really started with the Yankee series. I'm trying to think of what they are their last 10 games. But if they were two and eight over their last 10, I'm not 100% positive. I don't know how anyone could be 100% positive. They wouldn't trade him. It's a lot easier Now that they're within shouting distance say, Hey, they were never going to trade him. I don't know. They're close enough now where like I I was on with Gil yesterday. He's like, you think they'll trade him? I was like, there's no chance they're going to trade him now. But 10 days ago, it was a different conversation when they're what six and a half, seven games out trending in the wrong direction. Like if they were eight games out right now, nine games out, I I don't know that they wouldn't trade him. I don't know that they would. I don't know what the owner thinks, but, uh, Look, it's uh, it's it'd be fun to have him in the mix. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. Still an underdog to make it, but at least the fact that they're in the mix, they're making trades. I guess it's good for the game. It would've been, I'm torn because I have MVP tickets on him. I did hedge a little with the field, so I didn't really care where he went. But uh, I guess it's good that he's staying put.
4: So what are you doing today? He does get the start in the first of the doubleheader against the Tigers. Any worry about the finger? Because the market seems to think that maybe that's going to be case. Last two starts have been shaky. Uh, this is down to about a yeah. buck 28 in some spots.
5: Yeah, I'm going to take the bait here and fade the market. I'm just going to say, I, look, he hasn't pitched well, like you said, not just the past few starts, but really for a month or so now. But, uh, you know, maybe get a little uh, a shot of life here knowing Otani's going to stay. They add Giolito. I just think this is a cheap price. If there's any spot for him to get on track, this is a Tigers lineup I think he can handle. So I'm okay here laying it with the Angels. I'm going to take the bait here. I- I'm going to go Angels money line.
3: Anything else that you have on the day slate today?
5: No, what what else is on the day slate? I know Mets and Nationals later, it's a lousy slate to only have five games and one of them's a makeup. So we were going to only have four games. I don't understand yep. what they do with the schedule sometimes, but um, I, I don't see anything else on the day slate that I really like. I would lean under nine in Mets Nationals later. That's a decent pitching matchup with Gray and Senga. Both those guys have good stuff. They can struggle with walks, but as long as they can keep the walks uh, at a minimum, both those guys, I think, have the stuff to keep that one under. In uh, my other play, I don't know if I want to get to it now. It is a night game, but White Sox, Guardians. I went first five under four and a half. To me, Bybee uh, is fantastic. He is under the radar. Cleveland's really good at developing these pitchers. Uh, they just traded for Noah Syndergaard. I don't know if they can develop or fix him, but uh, Bybee's been tremendous. He throws any pitch to any count. Really good breaking ball. Uh, His numbers are fantastic. And Cleveland in general is just a good under team because they have good pitching. They can't hit. Uh, And Cease goes for the White Sox, who uh, has been pretty good here. So I'll go under four and a half, first five, White Sox, Guardians. So those are the plays here on a very, very limited slate in Major League Baseball.
4: So I know you don't have anything else, but any general thoughts on the turnaround that Kodai Senga has had? Because uh, his last five, he's been pretty freaking awesome. And it has to do a lot with changing up his pitches and you're right and actually relying on different ones. Uh, He's a $2 favorite today. What have you made of the turnaround for Senga and the fact that the market's got them over $2 today? It's just hard to trust the Mets, especially at that
5: price. If there's ever a chance for the Mets to get on track and get back within shouting distance, it's now because you get four at home against the Nationals. Then you get three against the Royals. That's seven games where, hey, if you're ever going to get a seven-game winning streak, or we'll call it six and one, something like that. With the way these other NL wildcard teams are struggling, Philly hasn't played great. Arizona's really struggling. Uh, Giants have gotten on track against the A's, but they hit a skid. Uh, the Marlins haven't played well. If you could ever put together a 6-1, 7-0 seven, seven no stretch here, you go back from 6 or 7 in the loss to like maybe 2 or 3 in the loss column uh, from, from some of these wildcard teams. Everyone's bunched up 47, 48 losses. Maybe you can make a run. So if there's ever a run coming for the Mets, it's now. I just don't trust them enough to lay $2 here, and I'm not going to lay a run a half, especially at home where you're not sure if you're going to get the ninth at bat. I, again, I'd lean under in that game. Gray's been pretty good, made the all-star team. And like you said, Seng has been a lot better recently.
3: Well, how about your Yankees then? Big picture, had a rough start to the second half, one and five to get things going, but turned things around here over the last little bit, four and one their last five. Um, big picture, sitting 54 and 48 on the season. Anything that you can look at to buy in on New York?
5: I think they made a, a major strategic error this weekend when they had Kansas City Royals in Yankee Stadium. They beat them three straight times and they did not kidnap them. I think that was a huge mistake. They should have kidnapped them. They should have done what the, uh, you know, like the, the scene from a Bronx tale where they just locked the doors and keep them there and just play them the rest of the season. <laughs> but I will say as somebody who's been pessimistic on them all year, betting under season wins, just fading them uh, pretty regularly. 86 and a half is the one point where I say, you know what? I might go over the season win total here because judge could be back tomorrow. It's unclear, but it sounds like he's close. Boone said it's possible he returns on Friday versus the Orioles and they're going to get, a, uh, they're, they're going to add a bat. They're, they're just not going to be in sell mode. They're close enough. Sort of like the angels where, Hey, we're the Yankees. We don't sell. I, I could see them adding Bellinger. So if you add judge and add Bellinger Rodon's back now, finally pitched a good game last night, you have Cole and Rodon at the top of the rotation. This is finally a, a team that's actually pretty good. Uh, they still have plenty of holes in that lineup, but ju- with judging with, you know, let's just say Bellinger, maybe get one more bat on top of it. I think now is a good buy low spot here for the Yankees who uh, it's just hard for me to find nice things to say about them because they are so unwatchable, but this might be a good So spot.
3: you're saying you're not, they're not going to get a wild card spot.
5: I've been betting them to miss the playoffs, but those are all at plus numbers. I think they're okay. plus to make the playoffs now. I don't think they'll get in, but it, you know, I don't hate a plus number at to make the playoffs now. I don't know if it's plus 180, plus 190. If it's in that range, like I don't. If, if you're just asking me, hey, do they make it? Probably not, but at a a nice plus number, I wouldn't hate the bet just because I think they're going to get reinforcements and now you got Rodon back, going to get Judge back, so. Probably not going to make it, but I I wouldn't hate it at a plus price.
4: How about the disrespect here? Padres, six and a half games out of a wild card. Yes, plus 370 to make the playoffs. The Mets, let's see, seven and a half games out of a wild card right now, plus 650 to make the playoffs. The Angels, only four games out, seven to one to make the playoffs after they get Giolito. What are we doing here, huh? Are you going to bet it? I don't like to put my uh, I don't like to put my money where my emotions are, Will, but uh, I think I might have to. I think I might have to.
3: You were squirming in your seat. Well, because you know, I don't
4: want to. I don't (laughs) want to emotionally wager on anything. But I will say, it is. I think like the market. It's it's a lesson like this. The market refuses to give up on the Mets and the Padres, and they are still just playing 500 baseball. Like, at some point, the Padres, I keep getting told they're going to make a run, but they're still just floating around at six and a half games. I do think when you're talking about the probability of the Angels making it into the playoffs and to say that both the Padres and the Mets have a better shot to make it in than the Angels do, who are only four games out, I do think it's a little ridiculous.
5: Yeah, if you bet the Padres, you make a run. You make a run to the bathroom to throw up watching them because
3: they
4: just lose games to the Pirates. They just flush your money down the door. They are so painful. Well, and really quick, I mean, honestly, if you're betting that, and I know we have to hear Canadian play, if you're betting the Padres to make the playoffs, you're betting them to win the World Series, are you not? Because they're going to have to get insanely hot to get in. Like, that's something you're probably splitting up and doing. If you think they can legitimately make it in, that means this offense is going to take off, and you think that they can also make a run in the postseason, are you not?
5: Yeah, and uh, again, I I wouldn't advocate that. I mean, they're another team. I mean, now that the attention's off the Angels, I think the attention shifts to the Padres because they got some attractive guys there with yep. Soto. I could have worded that better. Uh, Soto, (laughs) Hader, Snell, they they can turn some of these prospects around. Again, though, there's a human element of this GM has been there a while. He spent a lot of money. He's traded a lot of prospects where he's got to knock on the owner's door and say, Hey, let's, uh, let's take a step, step back and trade some of these prospects. I don't know how, if that's really feasible here. I think they're pop committed. So uh, I'm not sure what San Diego or what what San Diego does here. Uh, I I will say with some of these, yes, no to make the playoffs. Like if you want to take a shot at the angels at four to one, you're not married to it. You could say, hey, I'm going to take them four to one. They get hot and maybe you can bet uh, the other way, like minus 200, minus 150 if they make a run. So it does give you some some maneuverability here where if you're just taking a number, you can always bet the other way if you know things go your way for a week or so.
3: Real quickly, Will, less than a minute. But while everybody's talking the NFL offseason being over, you're betting Canadian Football League, baby. What's the play of the week? Let's go with my boy Dustin
5: Crumb from Ottawa here. Uh Hamilton's getting bet because they're getting their quarterback Bo Levy Mitchell back. Uh but to me, this is just an overreaction. This was plus three and a half, like an hour ago. It's down to one and a half, two. I think that's an overreaction. Crumb, if you remember him from Kent State, uh it, it was a really good quarterback in college. He's played well since being put in the lineup. So I'm gonna lay the money line there at 135 or so.
3: Will always keeping us on our toes. You'll love to see it. Awesome stuff, buddy. Talk to you later.
5: All right, see you. Thanks for having
3: me. Make sure, again, you follow him on Twitter or X, as the kids are calling it these Z days. Z is actually how it's pronounced. not the Will Hill. Is it really? Yeah. No way. Yep. So then, are the tweets called Zs? Because everybody's no, saying they're, they're Xs. They're Zs? Yeah. Everything about this, whether oh, it's X Z, or Z, 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 Z sounds Z. Z. so inappropriate. You, I sound like you're about to say hot damn after that.
4: Mm-hmm. Just don't search X videos. Oi. That's for sure.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on v the sports betting
3: network. Calling all BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Well, here's a chance for both of you to earn a $100 bonus when you sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account, click on the Refer-A-Friend program, that'll send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM. And once your friend signs up, they make a deposit They'll get their $100 bonus and once your friend places a bet with that bonus and the wager's settled, you get your $100 bonus as well. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. To wager, all promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Massachusetts, Mississippi, and Nevada. Welcome back. To the Lombardi line on a Thursday, we're live in downtown Las Vegas, Stormy Bonantoni and Jonathan Von Tobel with you, and I am pretty excited, actually, to have this little discussion. Uh, as many of you may know, the Madden ratings came out recently, and there were five players who got the ever-elusive 99 Madden rating for uh, Madden NFL 24, and because our guy Michael Lombardi, whom I love so much, not a big fan of Madden ratings, while the Co-host is away. Stormy will play. Madden 99 ratings. We're going to get into some of these players and their prop options available. You ready?
4: Uh, I am. I would just like to state, though, up front, uh, if anybody from Madden is listening, very disappointed. Um, the game has very much gone downhill since about... Can, Elliot, can you look up for me? who? Uh, what year was the Troy Paul Larry Fitzgerald cover? <laughs> Madden 10. That was the last... So it's like, been a hot rah, minute. <laughs> yeah, it was the last like, really good year. Because that year, if I remember correctly, an online play... You played, you could play with like three friends or two friends. So, you know, in groups of three, but you controlled position groups. Yeah. So like one friend would be defensive line, one would be linebackers, one would be corners, vice versa on uh, offense. So let's go. Come on. If you, uh, let me just say this, EA Sports.
3: It's where, in the game. Where's
4: my single? No, where's my single shot? If you screw up <laughs> NCAA football next year, you will be hearing from me. I promise you that. You have something special. Don't ruin it. I going to say.
3: Don't mess it up. That's all you got to do. Don't mess it up. That's yeah, right. But I, um... I was never a big video game person growing up. Like I played GoldenEye on N64 Classic. and I played like the old Mario games on the super old Nintendo NES. Mm-hmm. And then the only game I ever played as things got more elevated was Madden through high school. And then I kind of, I've fallen off in my adult life. But that was the only game I could play. I was bad at anything else.
4: You just got to practice.
3: Like, like with anything. Just anything.
4: Yeah, you just got to practice. Pick it back up when it comes to NCAA football next year. I
3: don't know if I'm ready. I don't. I've, it's been so long. There's so many buttons on controllers oh, do, now. We'll, I'm not mentally we'll, prepared for this. We'll
4: start a V-CIN Dynasty League of college football. <laughs> we'll all take control yeah. of our respective college football oh, programs. Gosh, we'll, I'll all get re- wrecked. we'll recruit against one another. We'll schedule each other. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fantastic.
3: What, what, um, what league will Colorado play in?
4: Uh, the big 12. Yes. Big 12, of course. Cause that's going to be right. Right. That starts next yep, year. Right. Yep. So yes,
3: we'll get into a little college football, by the way, in hour two, we'll discuss everything that's going on with conference realignment, some favorite win totals we have as well as the Heisman trophy market, because there are some interesting names that are available, but let's start, like I said, with some of these Madden 99 club player props, starting with the reigning MVP in the national football league, Patrick Mahomes, His passing yards prop set at 4,675 and a half minus 110 each way for that one. And his touchdown set at 36 and a half, three to one number for the most passing yards this season around the same plus 275 for the most regular season passing touchdowns coming off a season. He had 41 touchdowns, just 12 picks, 5,250 total passing yards.
4: I'm gonna say if we're betting, so I'm just picking something, just yeah. anything out of these. Because if
3: there's anything that calls to you,
4: anything that calls to me, I would say I'd probably go with under passing yards. How about that? Really? I think like, because I, of
3: the wide receiver room.
4: It's. I think it's the wide receiver room. I. I think it's the fact that when you're looking at some of these numbers for guys like Patrick Mahomes, they're going to be very, very strong, right? And they're going to mm-hmm. be pretty. Uh, they're going to be pretty high, and I get it. Last year, what fifty-two fifty? You said last year in mm-hmm. the regular season, Correct. Uh, so it went well over it. But I, I think you're going to try to kind of change things up here when you're talking about your offense, and probably not trying to be as aggressive uh, when it comes to the passing attack. We'll see if that's actually be the case. And obviously, teams are consistently trying to scheme against them. And I do think there is something to be said of playing in the division, which I think like the Chargers defensively should be a little bit better. I think the Broncos are going to be very good as well. Now, he might get it all against the Raiders because that secondary is <laughs> going to be awful. Um, but I, I think that the division has improved enough defensively that I think that I'd be willing to look under as opposed to over. Especially I don't, such a
3: high number. Yeah, I don't hate that mindset. My thing with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs is I just, I'm just i having PTSD from last year when I just kept telling myself they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. That right. offense is clearly going to take a step back. And then he goes out and just sets career marks for himself. wins right. an MVP. And it didn't matter who was in the wide receiver room. And granted, like... You do lose Juju Smith-Schuster and Mikal mm-hmm. Hardman, and you're trying to figure out which one of these young guys might elevate their game to rise up in that room. But you still have Travis Kelsey at the end of the day. The MVS can be yes. one of those guys in the room, too.
4: I'd also argue, too, that if you think that the Chiefs are going to be very good, which I do, there is a probability that's higher than most that he's not going to play the last game of the regular season, mm-hmm. right? Like, that could be a certain possibility, uh, whether it's going to – in whatever seat it's going to be, not even just locked into the one seed, you know, division winner, can't move up or down, whatever it's going to be – there's a pretty good, there's a, a better chance than most that he's probably going to sit out the last game of the regular season.
3: So would this thought process then translate to Travis Kelsey, who is another 99 at the tight end position? His receiving yards number, 1149 and a half, had over 1300 last year, but he's been in the thousand-plus yard club since 2016. Mm-hmm. Every single year, consistently, his receiving touchdowns number set at nine and a half.
4: I mean, I feel like you're going the opposite here, right? If he's going to be the only, like, yeah, if he's he going to be the
3: safety net,
4: <laughs> right? Dominant threat. The guy, then I think, because if you're looking at the wide receiver room at this point right now, like you said, I mean, you know, there's Valdez Scantling, Sky Moore showed some flashes, but then you know, the rest of this thing, Kadarius Tony, we know what's going on there. Yeah, like, I
3: like the touchdowns over, I think, if I were to pick one.
4: Right. I mean, and he's certainly capable of it. Again, going back to the you know, again, I don't mean to take keep taking shots. He had what, four touchdowns against the Raiders on that was that a Monday night game? Seventeen. Um,
3: he had like seventeen yards and four touchdowns. Right. It was something so stupid.
4: But he's capable of doing it. I, I think if I'm doing anything. I mean, think about that. In that one game, he's he's 40% of the way toward going over this receiving touchdown prop. So I would say, if anything, he's going to be the number one target. Barring any injury, I think you'd feel pretty good about going over.
3: Yeah, he had double-digit touchdown catches three of the last five years. And in 2021, he had nine. So he's in that wheelhouse more often than not. I also actually kind of like 11-1 to to lead the league in receptions. A little bit of a longer shot, but he caught 110 of 152 targets last season. We just talked about us anticipating him getting a bit more volume potentially because of what's not in the wide receiver room. Plus, he's 34 years old. This could be like the last year that he's really pedaled to the metal, all-out go-to guy. So,
4: Well, I would agree, and I would say this. I would rather bet that most receptions than most receiving yards because I know yeah. people look at like 22-to-1. Difference is, is he doesn't have the yard after catch ability that some of these other guys are going to have. They're going to be able to maximize the most yards that they're going to be out there. So like, I think he's going to be very good. But I think last year it was Justin Jefferson who led the league in receiving yards at, at 1,809.
3: Perfect transition. Right. Also in the 99 club at the wide receiver position, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings receiving yards total 1,249 and a half minus 140 though, to the over on that one. Touchdown number eight and a half. 12-1, to 1, most receiving touchdowns, plus 550 for yards.
4: I mean, I think I'd go over at yards. I, I think it's properly shaded to the over. My guy, Kirk Cousins, gets a lot of flack. And I know it's because he looked like a weirdo on quarterback. <sighs> but I think overall... Like, I loved
3: it, him, by the way, on quarterback. Uh, but... There's
4: there's a lot of things I have issues with on quarterback from Kirk Cousins. Um,
3: we'll discuss it. Yeah, I was going to say, you know,
4: you, you got time for fires afterwards, but you don't have time to dress yourself. A little bit of a weird dynamic there.
3: I like his outfits. The dad vibe works. The, the vibe works.
4: It's just that it doesn't make sense to say, I don't have time to dress myself. I leave that to my wife, but then sit with Coop at the fire every Tuesday. And like chill with the family. That's family
3: family bonding time. Right, but if
4: you don't have time for, like, if you don't have time to dress yourself, you don't have time for family. Would you
3: not rather hang out with your family than spend 10 minutes going through your closet? I'd rather spend that time with my child. I don't even have a child. You're a father. Come on, JVT. Anyways, pick a bet. She's a little weird. I said, go over. I'd go over the receiving
4: because my point was. Cousins is, I think, an underrated passer. You know, I've said that many times. You look at it again, of course, on a run of three straight years. Of course, he's gone over 4,000 yards, and it's pretty much what he's averaged since he's become a starter in 2015. Jefferson is a guy who maximizes that, and sneaky good Justin Jefferson at a contested catch rate. He's awesome in those contested catches. All of that would lead to be maximizing receiving yards, thus going over 1249, and he crushed it last year.
3: Uh, any thoughts on Aaron Donald real quickly? Sacks prop set at 10 and three quarters.
4: My uh, my only question is like, what are the Rams, right? Like if you're somebody who thinks the Rams are going to be terrible, is Aaron Donald going to play out the entire year? Is going to be a point where he takes off maybe at the end of the season, not takes off, like leaves the team, but like, you know, they shut him down. Uh, will he, I, I know there's thoughts that he could get traded. So would that mean mm. that you get traded to a contender before the season begins or at what point, whatever it is, I would tend to maybe look under, especially like with if the he guy gets who would
3: be a trade deadline thing.
4: Yeah, right, if that does happen. But I think for a guy who attracts as much attention at a position that's not a glamorous pass rush position, I would go under.
3: Did lead the league in sacks in 2018 at a career-best 20 and a half. Since then, 2019, 12 and a half. 2020, 13 and a half. 2021, 12 and a half. But just 11 games played last year, five sacks. So clearly a step back on a team that struggled. Mm. Uh, Nick Bosa, only a 98 Madden rating. I know that Michael was upset about his PFF rating. Now this, it's a travesty. How could they do this to my guy? Reigning defensive player of the year. Come on, man. At Bed
1: 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.